on a special edition of the Down the Line podcast. We're joined by Mocan Basketball's Michael Claude to break down March Madness region by region and give our predictions. Up next on Down the Line. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, the second edition of the Down the Line podcast, a special March Madness edition. I'm your co-host, Jack Nadeau, joined by Jack Johnson, and our special guest from Mocan Basketball, Mr. Michael Claude. How are we doing today, Michael? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited. Absolutely. Uh, you are, uh, at least from my experience, one of uh, the most intense college hoops fans uh, and, and followers uh, that I've ever uh, had the pleasure of running into. So what better show to bring you on than to talk some March Madness? And, I mean, I mean, the most wonderful time of the year, is it not, Jack? I mean, I'm not even the biggest college hoops fan, but, I mean, sports fans everywhere, everyone, even you know, even sports fan or not, fills out a March Madness bracket. So, I mean, I think for this sure, is kind of a, sure. a sporting event that kind of gets everyone involved. This is definitely one of the best times of the year for sure. You know, you got March Madness going on, you got MLB starting up pretty soon, and even NFL free agency starting to heat up a little bit. But it's really uh, sort of a holiday type of event where even if you are not even a sports fan, people tune in to watch it. It's everywhere you go, it's in every restaurant, and people will just fill out brackets just for the fun of it. Whether you actually know the statistics about teams or you know everything about them, Sometimes it's the people that just like the mascot of a certain team that like to pick a team to move forward, and they do better than the people who actually spend a lot of time filling out their brackets. That's the thing I was going to say. Like, I watch, I watch probably hundreds of college basketball games. I'm pretty in tune with what's going on. Man, my brackets are not good ever. And, like, you know, someone that couldn't watch one game, they probably have a better bracket than me because I overthink it. It's, it's mostly about luck. It's just a, it's just a crazy time. It's super fun, like you guys were saying, like upsets, man. Anybody can enjoy that, even if you're not a big college basketball fan. So it's going to be crazy this year. It's too, so much unpredictability. Well, and, and to speak along the lines of that, Michael, I think you, you hit it right on the nose that this year, uh, unlike most seasons that we've seen in the past, there really isn't a clear-cut, you know, elite cut and above everyone else team in this field. And, you know, the top four or the, the top four teams, the number one seeds, De- definitely have a case for you know obviously being the best teams in the nation, but you know unlike teams that we've seen in the past, uh, you know like some of the Kentucky squads that were just so dominant and and you know they're they're almost a shoe in even to get to the national championship. But this year, I mean, the field is wide open; anything can happen. And I mean, for sure, we're all looking forward to it. But let's get right into things. We're gonna start breaking down kind of region by region kind of our analysis and, and we'll get to our picks for sure uh, because I mean that that's what everyone uh, you know you know kind of wants to give their opinion on but let's start with the south region and for sure we need to cover the the news that kind of came out this afternoon earlier today for the 
UVA, you know, for this UVA team, they are losing uh, DeAndre Hunter for the remainder of the tournament. He suffered a broken left wrist in the ACC tournament. And, uh, I mean, my initial reaction from seeing that news was, you know, for me, Virginia was one of the safest picks I think to to make it to make at least a run into the elite eight and and farther just because of how good they've been and they were the best team in basketball at least on paper this season but I think we can all agree that this had put some serious questions into their legitimacy in 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 staying on on top of the south for sure I mean Virginia for me was probably one of the most complete teams to put together and to suffer that injury like DeAndre Hunter, it really just hurts their chances moving forward. I thought their the South region was one of the weaker regions for sure. Um, I, I think there's plenty of upsets that can happen. I don't think Virginia. I think they can make it through to at least a Sweet 16. But then that's when that's when it will start to get interesting. As we know, they're more defensive oriented, and you know if they just fall out basically on the defensive side, we know they aren't the best offensive scoring team so that could really hurt them going into this tournament yeah when I heard that news man it shocked me because besides uh DeAndre Hunter no other big guy on Virginia averages more than six points a game um I've had a really a really fun time watching DeAndre Hunter play this year you know he redshirted last year so this is his freshman year Uh, I mean if you look at the stats nothing's gonna wow you 9.2 points a game you know, only three and a half rebounds, but, you know, he was the most consistent guy, you know, able to score near the basket. I mean, they're so dominant on their guards with Kyle Guy, Devin Hall, and Ty Jerome. So, I mean, they have really good big guys defensive-wise. Um, you know, that's not going to be a problem with them. But moving forward, man, if their shots aren't falling and they don't have Hunter there to get, you know, his easy baskets that he usually does, it's going to be – could be a struggle, especially, in, let's say, like a – even the second round, let's say if they played K State and they got like Dean Wade, if he's back, or um, May Ween, who's really emerged over the last week. Then even moving on in the Sweet 16, you know, you have to play DeAndre Ayton in Arizona. Like this region is full of really good big men, so that's going to be a really interesting storyline to follow. Well, and even outside of his productivity on the court, just the the minutes that that Tony Bennett's kind of relied on on him to contribute and, he, and he's averaging just around 20 minutes a game but looking kind of at this team Tony Bennett's pretty much relied on a rotation of about eight players and not to say that he doesn't have talent outside of those eight that have seen that the most consistent time but now you know you're cutting down you know a significant chunk of, of your your personnel and your rotation because uh, you know, as as Kansas basketball fans know, the how how shallow their rotation's been at, at some points this season. And Virginia, you know, not to say that they don't have scholarship players on the roster left because they still do. But when you're taking out pretty much one eighth of of your of your team's minutes and, and rotation, that's just going to be a blow within itself. And and that's not even to mention kind of his productivity on the court. But I mean, I don't really think anyone's still doubting Virginia to 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 get past the the, the round of 64 at least I, I mean I don't I don't think they're gonna have any issues with with you and me see but for sure as, as you mentioned Michael with with Dean Wade at K-State and and farther down into uh this bracket they are you know it's gonna be tough to win two games in a weekend in a span of you know two or three days with only having you know really seven guys playing the bulkier minutes 
Well, fun little tidbit first. Can either of you tell me what UMBC actually stands for? don't know how invested you are in their program, but I know it. I want to know if any of you guys know it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Correct. And can and you name their mascot? Team name is the Retrievers. There you go. <laughs> I remember, I remember. I think it was 08 was their last um, appearance in the NCAA tournament. And that name always stuck with me because I thought the Retrievers and the mascot was like one of the funniest things ever. So it's one of those things that it's so like odd that it just sticks with you. So yeah, that's I think what they I, were a 15 seed back in 08. Yep, I'm pretty yep. sure. I think they played Georgetown. Georgetown. Yep. 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 You got it, man. You're right on. Yeah, they were one of my one of my favorites from back in the day. Don't yep. know why. Just sort of the mascot <laughs> yep. was sort of unique it's just to an me. Odd thing. Yeah. But yeah, I got to re- agree with you, Jack. Virginia doesn't seem to have any trouble going. At least for me, I don't think the round of 64 or round of 32 will be any problem for Virginia. They're just There's not enough matchups for them that could really hinder them that much. Uh, but then it could get interesting. I think an Arizona-Virginia matchup will be probably set for the Sweet 16. And, you know, I it's exciting sometimes, as much as it hurts me to say that you never want to see a player go down, but it certainly brings something else into the field of play, and it makes it more interesting moving forward that a one seed now is down a player and a team like Virginia, who is the number one overall seed going into this tournament, and they're basically hurt a little bit on their chances making it to the Final Four. Well, and I, I saw something on Twitter, too. Uh, one of the one of the K-State uh, team reporters, he, he, he didn't explicitly say this, obviously, because he's a representative of Kansas State, but... He essentially said that now Wildcat fans have a legitimate, at least, window of hope and opportunity because, I mean, if you're facing a, a fully healthy Virginia team, I mean, they are just incredible. Uh, but at least, you know, if, you know, let's, I mean, that's actually a good segue right into to this next matchup between uh, the Creighton Blue Jays and the Kansas State Wildcats. And uh, the biggest storyline there is going to be where is Dean Wade in terms of being ready to play this weekend? And I don't know if anyone really for sure knows. I I know Bruce Weber's kind of been keeping his cards close to his chest, but, I mean, you expect this is, I mean, a do-or-die game for them and by no means an easy matchup. So you have to think if he's anywhere close to being able to play, he will. Well, I I definitely think K-State's a much better squad when both of those guys are healthy, but I Creighton just seems like a team that's too much to handle for uh, Kansas State moving forward. They also have the former Wildcat Marcus Foster with them. They have an outstanding freshman in Mitchell Ballack. Uh, Creighton's normally a pretty good team in the tournament as well. In K-State, this team doesn't strike me as one. It's a non-biased opinion, but they don't strike me as a team that can really make too much of a run, per se, even to the second round. If they're thinking that Virginia, even with them hurt, is going to help the Wildcats, it would. But K-State just doesn't – they're such a hot and cold team. They're either going to shoot the lights out or they're going to be horribly inconsistent. Like as we saw in that game where Key went down to Manhattan, they shot the ball horribly and they weren't in it basically at any point in the game. They made no runs and KU ended up winning by 15-plus. So uh, to me, I don't see K-State even make it past the round of 64. Yeah, you hit that spot on, man. <clears throat> the 8-9 games, they're, they're such a coin flip. And this one is no different because, like you said, K-State – they're so hot and cold. Not only that, but we've just hit on Dean Wade and um, Barry Brown. They're two best players. Both got hurt. Um, I'm assuming both of them will play. You know, they didn't seem, especially Dean Wade, I think it was more just precautionary. You know, a Big 12 tournament didn't mean much when you're going to make the NCAA tournament anyway. 
Um, but a big storyline in this, um, like K-State, very hot and cold. Creighton has a tough time guarding big men, and that's kind of K-State's um, strength. But at the same time, Creighton can really, really light it up. Marcus Foster, Kyrie Thomas, Mitchell Ballack. Like, they, they're going to be able to run and gun on K-State. Um, and you can never um, discount the old revenge game narrative. Marcus Foster is going to be ready, man. He's going to be ready to um, score all over K-State. So, you know, you're going to get a very contrasting style of play. You know, Creighton's not great at defending big guys, but they can really out probably outscore K-State. So the ultimate coin flip game, which most 8-9 games are, I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch for sure. It'll be pretty interesting because I think it'll be the revenge game of the Instagram post because if I'm not mistaken, Marcus Foster was kicked off the team by Bruce Weber. Mm-hmm. For I think it was a spring break post down in Mexico, and yep. that was what ended up leading him to his suspension and then kicking off of the team. And I'm pretty sure all K-State fans can agree, probably most college students as well, that it was probably one of the most ridiculous reasons to kick off a player. There's been many cases around the NCAA where players have been kept on for a lot more and almost for everywhere. Sure. I don't think of picture, so I think that Marcus Foster will definitely be ready to go and get revenge against Bruce Weber and the Wildcats. Also, I got one more thing to mention about this little, like, pot of four teams up in the South. Virginia also has a guy by the name of Nigel Johnson. Also started off his career at K-State. So, um, you know, he plays kind of a marginal role for Virginia. So we can just call this the region of K-State and the guards that they used to have. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to look at it. Uh, But let's kind of also go right into the next matchup, the – I guess the battle of the Wildcats, uh, well, some of the Wildcats in this region, four teams in the South have the mascot of the Wildcats, all very original, uh, kind of all original athletic departments, uh, Kansas State, Davidson, Kentucky, and Arizona, all with the same name. But uh, Kentucky and Davidson, this is, this is a game that I've actually uh, kind of seen and heard a lot of buzz about. People like Davidson in this um, just with with kind of the inconsistency from Kentucky, obviously they were really up and down all season. They've you know fell out of the top twenty five multiple times. I mean, do you guys see Steph Curry's uh, alma mater making any waves here? Um, well, it's your typical twelve five game. You know, twelve seeds they win all the time. Um, and this one, this is why the NCAA tournament's so great because we get teams out of conference that match up that have such contrasting styles of play. This one is no different, again, from the one we just talked about. Davidson, they can really, really score, man. They got um, two guys. They got by the name of Peyton Aldridge and Kellen Grady. Uh, KU fans, we played them last year. You guys might remember them. You know, they had a lead on us for a while. But, um, you know, they're going to space it out. They're going to shoot. They're going to get up and down. Um, They have a great coach, Bob McKillop, who's been there before. Um, Against It's the youth of those Kentucky Wildcats. They're playing well right now, but they still don't shoot it well. They want to get out, and they want to run. So, I mean, if Davidson's hitting shots early and Kentucky's not, which we've seen multiple times this year, this could be another classic 12-5 upset. Well, for one of my upsets in this entire tournament, I have Davidson actually pulling off the upset against Kentucky. But one of the main reasons I did is that Davidson, I think, hits close to 11 threes a game. I think they shoot about 10 or they make about 10.7 roughly as their average. But Kentucky, to me, this has seemed sort of like one of the least intimidating teams that they've had in quite some time under Calipari. And they're still a very good ball club. They're really hot right now. They still have some great guards. They're very athletic. Um, But, you know, they don't have that intimidating presence down low. They're not a very 
they don't have their platoon-like roster that they've had in years past. Um, but Davidson, for one, to me, they've always seemed like a good tournament team. They always seem like that team that has the capability of getting really hot and making close to you know, 12, 13 threes a game. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen in this one. I think Davidson's going to get really hot. It'll be a really close and fun game, but I do have Davidson prevailing over Kentucky. I know that Kentucky, as of now, on the Vegas line is only about five-and-a-half-point favorite. So clearly a lot of people are thinking Davidson has all the capability in the world of pulling off this upset. Well, and, uh, I mean, not only is uh, kind of Kentucky trending – in the wrong d- direction in the eyes of a lot of people uh, making March Madness picks. But then you kind of shift to uh, the other Wildcats in Arizona, and that's perhaps one of the s- strongest, if not the strongest, four seed in this tournament just because of, well, I mean, they have a very complete, talented team, but I don't think enough can be said about DeAndre Ayton and how truly talented and a game-changer that he is on the floor. And, the Buffalo Bulls, not the Bills, but the Bulls. I know they were uh, uh, misnamed on the selection show, but the Buffalo Bulls coming in with a 13 seed. Uh, do they have any chance at making a, a pretty uh, significant upset? I mean, obviously you never know in this tournament, but to me I think Arizona is arguably one of the most dangerous teams in this entire tournament. I know when I was sitting down watching the selection show, I was – hoping that Arizona was not going to be matched up in Kansas's bracket as their four seed or three seed because they could very well have even had some argument to be a two seed in this one. But Arizona is a very stacked and talented team. They've always shown up in the tournament. And, you know, I think Buffalo is a good team as well. But honestly, you could have Arizona making it to the final four out of the South region. I think Arizona has every capability now of beating Cincinnati, even though I had them in the Final Four, but they have every capability of beating Virginia and Cincinnati to go to the Final Four. Yeah, I don't see any way how anybody on Buffalo is even going to come near slowing down DeAndre Ayton. He is a specimen, a man among boys, whatever you want to call him. I just I don't see how there's any way. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say there's no chance because it's March Madness, but I'd be absolutely shocked. Yeah, like – Arizona, they're on fire right now. With all the FBI investigation and whatnot, I think all the players are really motivated. I think they, you know, I f- they, they kind of have us versus the world mentality going on right now. Like I feel like they feel like they have nothing to lose. They're kind of playing with house money, and um, whether you believe in momentum or not, heading into March, like they have it right now. They have the nation's best player. They're one of the hottest teams, and they have the world against us mentality. So. You can never rule that out. I don't see any way how Buffalo even hangs close with them with DeAndre Ayton. Well, another thing to look at now, kind of just moving on down, is kind of one of the 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 teams that are kind of getting buzz, also uh, as as a as a really high seed or low, I guess, however you look at it. The Ramblers of Loyola, Chicago, and uh, they sit in that 11 seed, uh, finished first in the, in, the, in the Mountain Valley Conference. Uh, you know, thankful that they're probably thankful that Wichita's uh, not sitting in their way. But for them to beat the Hurricanes uh, of Miami, what do they need to do? Well, actually, they have two players that are just down the road from here. Um, Clayton Custer and Ben Richardson are both alumni of Blue Valley Northwest from the EKL, but They've definitely shown signs of being competitive. I know they went down to Gainesville early in the year, and they beat Florida. So 
I think they match up pretty well against the Hurricanes. I had Miami moving on in my bracket, but I think this one's going to be one of the closer games in the tournament. I think it come down to the final couple seconds. But for them, it's going to be basically just spreading it around, trying to basically knock down the outside shot for this one. I don't think they have the size that Miami does, but they definitely can have the perimeter shooting over them, and I think that's how they would have to prevail over Miami in this one. Yeah, you hit on that perfectly with the outside shooting. So a big storyline in this also, um, Miami's probably their best guard, I would say, um, Bruce Brown. Easy to mix up with K-State's Barry Brown. Um, he is, you know, he's injured right now. And I don't. I think Jim Laranega came out and said today that they're kind of taking it day by day. But I don't think he's going to be playing against Loyola, um, which is a big, big loss for Miami. And I think this is this is one of my upset picks. Um, for that reason, you know, Clayton Custer, he was a Missouri Valley Player of the Year. Started off his career at Iowa State. You know, he's having a really, really good season, shooting 44% from three. Um, I think him versus Chris likes is going to be a great matchup. And then the matchup I'm really excited to watch in this, um, Ben Richardson, as you mentioned, Blue Valley Northwest alumni, um, alumnus of Mocan Basketball, where I'm currently interning. He was the Defensive Player of the Year in the Missouri Valley Conference, and I think he's going to be matched up all day on star freshman Lonnie Walker, and I think that's just going to be that matchup versus Walker and the Custer matchup on likes is going to be – I think it's going to be so much fun to watch. They don't have the size down low, but that guard matchup, um, they're going to have to shoot well, which they do. They have three guys shooting at 40% or above. So if you want to pick an upset, these are the guys that could do it. And the quote uh, – well, there was a quote pulled today talking about uh, Bruce Brown, um, that he will be dressed come Thursday – he will not play, but he okay. wants to at least be in uniform yeah. with his team. So at least possibly an opportunity for the Ramblers to to make a splash in, what, uh, in a bid that ends their 33-year NCAA tournament drought, uh, dating back to 1985 was the last time they made an appearance uh, in the big dance. So, uh, you know, a good opportunity for them. And then for... Uh, a, a team in Tennessee taking on uh, Wright State. Uh, that's a matchup where I, I think Tennessee's at least a lot of a lot of things that I'm seeing they're being slept on, um, but they're just as much of a legitimate team as anyone else in the South. Yeah, I totally agree. Tennessee, they play a style of basketball that I love. They love they love to play defense. They love to get rugged. They don't care how pretty it looks. They just want to muck it up. They want to get it nice and dirty, and they just want to they just want to like. I don't. I don't. I'm trying to figure out the right word to even say, but they're they're so tough. They play hard. You know, Rick Barnes has really done an amazing job with this team. Um, Grant Williams, SEC Player of the Year, high school teammate, a future KU point guard, Devon Dotson. So hopefully, we can get a Conference Player of the Year from that school also. But yeah, I mean, this first round matchup with Wright State. I mean, I don't think there's any way Wright State hangs with them. But Tennessee, you know, moving forward. Um, I think they're, I mean, a real trendy pick now, especially with Virginia out. If they can get past Cincinnati, let's say, um, you know, Tennessee, they've proven they can hang with anybody this year. Defense travels, you know, shots won't always fall, but defense travels, and Tennessee can sure play great defense. Yeah, Tennessee is just one of those tough teams from the SEC. I know they trailed by double digits in that SEC championship game against Kentucky, but they were pretty much down and out of it for most of the game, and they were they managed to make that big run at the end. They didn't come out on top, obviously, but you know this. You could mark this down as another dangerous team for the tournament. Uh, they play great defense, like said before, and you know they just seem like they're not going to have too many issues 
with Wright State, in my opinion, and they could very well make it to the Sweet 16 if the Ramblers pull off the upset against Miami because they would match up very well with them. Well, let's kind of go to the the second of the Big 12 teams uh, in the South. Uh, the Texas Longhorn, Shaka, uh, the Shaka Smart Squad, kind of turned things around from last year and uh, not only got in the tournament, but but have a have a dynamic player in Mo Bamba, probably the best shot blocker in all of college basketball this season. And they face off against uh, the seventh-seeded Nevada Wolfpack. Now, Nevada comes in as the the ninth most efficient offense in the country. They got Caleb Martin who scores, you know, averaging over 19 points a game, and they have seven players uh that all average at least 20 minutes and all shoot above 44%. Uh, so kind of it's kind of a battle of you have a, a great shooting team and, and a good offense and, and then you have Texas with with like I said a, a player like Mo Bamba. Well, for me, I don't think Texas deserved to be into the tournament. One, I think the main reason they got in was because of Mo Bamba. I think he's a nationally known player. He could be a lottery pick, so that's what the committee thought, that they wanted to see Mo Bamba in this tournament. Um, But I had Nevada moving on this one. I don't think Texas is a very well-put-together team, both offensively and defensively. Mo Bamba's a great player, but Texas, to me, doesn't seem like a very strong and consistent tournament team for them to pull off an upset against the Wolfpack. So in this one, I got Nevada moving on. I have to agree with you there. Um, you know, Texas making the tournament very iffy. Um, but just their outlook going into the tournament, you know, um, Mo Bamba, I, I saw he was 100% according to him. Like, he's excited to play. Um, but you can't discount that he has missed, you know, a little bit of time. Not necessarily games, but, you know, limited time in the games with his foot injury. Um, but also just to make it with this team right now, you know, their best guard, Andrew Jones, um, just a very sad story. You know, he's out for the year. He was diagnosed with leukemia. Um, best wishes to him. But besides that, also, um, one of their better wing wing scorers, Eric Davis, he's being held out right now. He was linked in that FBI investigation. Um, so really, those were two of their better guys on the wing. Um, and so now it kind of comes down to freshman Matt Coleman, ran the point, who's really good, not a great scorer. Um, but I don't know. They're just a little inexperienced in the backcourt, not great scores. Um, so, you know, if Bamba gets into foul trouble especially, like I think they have no chance. And um, Nevada Nevada made the tournament last year, gave Iowa State a great game. You know, a little different team this year. But, Jack, like you mentioned, um, Caleb Martin, man, he is so fun to watch. I, I bet a lot of people are going to be watching Nevada for the first time. Just, you know, Mountain West Conference, not a lot of exposure. But, you know, Nevada, great coach Eric Musselman. Um Caleb Martin is a really fun player to watch, and they just, you know, they're really they're really good um, scoring the basketball. And I just don't think Texas is going to be able to hold up. Then the last matchup in the South, uh, the Cincy Bearcats, and uh, the Georgia State Panthers, who a lot of people will probably recognize for their coach Ron Hunter, who is famous for not only injuring himself, uh, celebrating from uh, the bench, but then. Re, pretty much re-injuring himself, falling off a stool uh, with his leg in a cast. But uh, since he's the second-best team uh, by the numbers defensively in the nation behind Virginia, I mean, this is this is a team I think a lot of people now are probably also going to, to be favoring a little more just with uh, the injury to Virginia. But Cincinnati, realistically, I mean, are they – I mean, are they the best team in the South now with, with Virginia – kind of ailing 
In my opinion, I think they definitely are. And this one isn't going to be anywhere close. I think this will be in the first round one of the biggest blowouts there is. I know it's a little harsh to say for Georgia State, and I respect them for getting the tournament, but I don't think there's going to be any magic this year with Georgia State. I think Cincinnati is really a handful, and they are one of the most deadliest teams defensively. They're very aggressive. They're a very tough team, and they really know how to win, obviously, with their 30 wins this year. But they are going to make a deep run in this tournament for sure. Yeah, I'm going to make this one short and sweet. First question I have for you guys is RJ Hunter is RJ Hunter walking through those doors? He's not. He's not. All right, since he by at least 20. And I got one other little snippet for you from my boy John Rothstein, one of the best guys on Twitter and on TV for college basketball. Gary Clark is a problem. Gary Clark is Cincinnati's best player. She's 43% from three, does everything. This man is appointment television in my mind. He's a really good scorer. He's rugged. He loves to play defense. Rebounds the ball super well. And since he kind of rides on him, they got, I mean, they have other balance scoring. They got Jacob Evans, Kyle Washington, Cumberland, you know, guys that have been there before. But it all starts with Gary Clark, and um, it's going to be really, I can't wait. I hope that Tennessee game happens in the Sweet 16. That game could be first to 60 wins, honestly, but it's going to be fun. That's the type of basketball that I like. But for this game, no contest. R.J. Hunter's not coming to save that team since he by at least 20. This is something for me to say, but, you know, this is probably the most confident I've felt in a team outside of Kansas in the tournament in a while, so I'm really hoping I don't get hosed on a first-round exit <laughs> by Georgia State. But, man, I would look pretty stupid after with all the confidence I said. But, yeah, definitely uh, nailed that one. Cincinnati is just so lethal yeah. for this tournament, and with the, the Virginia injury, they definitely – could be showing up to San Antonio. Well, that kind of wraps up the South. We'll kind of circle back um, with our picks later on in the show, but let's kind of keep things moving uh, to the West. First of all, I mean, do you guys have any issues with with Xavier kind of taking their first game? No, Xavier's going to get by easily in this one. All right, so let's move on to a game that I think a lot of people will be tuning in, not just for the March Madness aspect, but to watch – one of the most hyped-up, exciting players in college basketball that we really didn't get to see, and that's Michael Porter Jr., and that's the Missouri Tigers. They take on the Seminoles of Florida State, and I know a lot of people uh, were kind of predicting and anticipating that Mizzou would, would kind of fall into the 8-9 range and be placed in uh, Kansas's region uh, for no other reason than just good television. Yeah, for sure. I thought that Missouri was going to be the 8-9 for Kansas, and I was really hoping that wasn't going to happen because, one, there's nothing Kansas could gain out of – I mean, they're playing in Wichita. That gives Missouri fans an easy access as well, and I think one of the main reasons they were put out there in Nashville is because they don't want to reward an 8 or 9 seed with a near home field advantage for at least the 9 seed game. But, yeah, Michael Porter, he didn't fare too well in his comeback return in their loss to Georgia in the SEC tournament. But you never know. I mean, he always can get hot. He had a little bit of confidence going into the end of the game. He had a big three-pointer down the stretch. But he just doesn't look 100% to me. He didn't dunk the ball. He had a couple breakaways. And that's probably just to prevent any injuries and kind of go with caution. But for this one, I think I have Florida State moving on. And just simply because I think that Missouri is so hot and cold, kind of like Kansas State, and they're really coming off a rough loss where they shot the ball horribly. I think it was below 30%. But – Missouri is one of those teams that has sort of beaten the teams that are lesser 
competitive-wise, and they've lost to teams that were also that way. They're kind of a off-and-on type of team. They really didn't have a super hot stretch during the season, and I don't think they have too much momentum going into this game, so I have the Seminoles moving on. All right. Well, on the contrary, I have I actually picked Mizzou to win this, um, but with any 8-9 game, it's you know I don't really have any confidence whatsoever. Um, a big storyline for this, um, Mizzou's second leading scorer, Jordan Barnett, he um, is going to be out for Friday night. They play late, I think at like 8.50 on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, over the weekend, I believe like Saturday night, early Sunday morning, he was arrested for a DUI. Um, and so that's a big loss. I mean, he averages almost 14 a game. He's their second best three-point shooter. Um, but, I mean, what better guy to have um, step into his role than Michael Porter Jr.? You know, he's probably going to be a top-10 NBA draft pick. Um, but there is, I mean, there is still a little bit of concern about how much you can expect from Porter. Um, the cobwebs are definitely there, as you saw in the SEC tournament. Um, it's, it's real hard to sit out a whole season and just come right back into the NCAA tournament. But um, I'm picking Missouri just for the fact um, not a huge fan of Florida State scoring. You know, they don't have a single guy that's at 40% on three-point shooting. Um, you know, they're always a really, really good defensive team. Le- Leonard Hamilton kind of prides himself on that. But um, – I think Mizzou, it pains me to say, is going to win this game. Um, also, another reason I'm picking this is generally the 8-9 games, I figured out my luck. The team that I, like, for sure think is going to lose is going to win. <laughs> That's another reason why I'm picking Mizzou because I really want them to lose. Um, and I know if I pick Florida State, Mizzou is going to win. So <laughs> if you believe in superstitions at all, which I really don't, I'm going with this one. That's one way to go about it. Well, let's go into uh... – Kind of moving down the line, Ohio State, uh, Bucky taking on the South Dakota State Jackrabbits and uh, the Dominator in Mike Dom. And this is a team that uh, Kansas fans got to see earlier this season when they played them uh, in non-conference. And uh, Mike Dom is is a six ten, six ten or six eleven. He's he's a he's a pretty big body. Put up a double double against Kansas earlier this season, uh, but they have you know. <clears throat> Uh, a, a great player in him, but is, is there a chance that uh, the kind of the, the summit league champs come out in this one, go any farther? I'm willing to say, all right, this, I don't know if you consider this hot takey or not, but I'm willing to say that the best matchup of individual players is going to be taking place in this first round. Mike Dom, great player. You know, he made the tournament last year. Um, every he's, you know, he can play inside, he can shoot. Um, he's going to be up against um, Keita Bates Diop yeah. for Ohio State, and Keita Bates Diop. What like I can't even describe the words like how much better he's gotten this year. You know, I don't know if it was a coaching change or whatnot. Um, I think South Dakota State definitely. Um, I think they definitely stand a chance in this one, simply because of Dom. I mean, the rest of the team, not a big fan of, but um, I think Dom can definitely put this team on his shoulders. However. Ohio State's probably going to be too much to handle, even though Ohio State's metrics show that they kind of their record was a little too good, which I also agree with. I'm not a huge fan of this Ohio State team. I think they're good, not five seed good. I think they're more like eight, nine seed good, and their metrics agree. They kind of got lucky, I think, a little bit, but um, I think this is going to be the best individual matchup between Keita Bates D up and Mike Dom. I think Ohio State will win. I don't think I think it'll definitely be a single digit game, but. If someone were to pick an upset, I think this would be a great one, especially also since it's a 12-5. I picked a 12 seed earlier. I just don't think I can do it again. But for the Jackrabbits, I really think this is going to be a game that comes down to the wire, and I think it's going to be one of those signature shots 
at the buzzer. And this one, uh, the Jackrabbits seemed like a really good team. I know they had a run. I think they were close to beating Gonzaga in the tournament one year. It was a couple years ago. They came really close. I think it was a 15, or maybe even it was a 16 seed. Yeah, I don't 16 seed. I think they were yep. a 16 seed. Yep. They brought them down to the wire. Yep. I think they ended up losing by only seven or eight. Yep. But, you know, it's just I think the Buckeyes are too much in this one. And like I said before, I picked a 12. So me just going off of, you know, I got to stay at least consistent. I can't pick all upsets here. I'm just going to stick with my gut here and go with the Buckeyes. Does anyone have an issue with Gonzaga kind of moving past UNC Greensboro? Uh, got Zags. Zags by hundred. As much as we love, as love, as, as love as we, as much as we love uh, to see uh, some of the mid majors uh, get into the tournament and, and kind of some of their Cinderella stories. I mean, I think Gonzaga is, is another team just like Arizona that's as as dangerous as any for being a four seed. On Selection so. Sunday, man, I, you were that was the team I did not want in our region. There, I think they're. Are so good. You you were sitting in front of the TV I, saying, man, don't man, I think they're so ahead, deep, don't. and I think I mean KU are two and three seeds are tough. We'll get to that, you know. But top of the region, you got to get through that before you can worry about them. I think we got a huge break by not having Arizona or Gonzaga. Man, those teams, those teams are hot, and Gonzaga is so deep, so well coached, and I think they can you know easily make it out of this region. Last year, I think they had one loss, and they were the one seed yeah. going to that Final Four. And just to think that they lost three more games and that bumped them down three seeds, that just shows you. That's what most people wanted out of Gonzaga for all those years, too. They thought that if they only they had one loss, they still didn't deserve a one seed. So, I mean, fans, there you go. You have one of the most dominant teams as your four seed in the bracket. So buckle up because the Zags are going to make a big run in this one. I'm going to add one thing to that. So everyone will talk about the front courts of Duke with Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter. They're also talking about Michigan State. Jaron Jackson, Nick Ward, you know, Miles Bridges maybe as a small four-man. But I think that Gonzaga, their front court can hang with anybody, including those two. The, the three guys, Killian Tilly, big guy who can shoot. Jonathan Williams, former Mizzou player who played a big role in the team last year. They made it the championship. And then a new guy this year, um, new kind of like to significant minutes, Roy Achimura, kind of a funny name. But man, those three big guys—they're so deep down low. I just—I mean, I love watching good big guys, and you know, they—they I mean they have the guards, they have the shooting. But those three big guys, that that front court can hang with any front court in the country, and that's why I think they're going to go deep in this tournament. Well, so moving to uh, a team and and maybe a player that I think a lot of people may or may—you're either going to hate him or love him, uh, Rob Gray of Houston, because. I mean, he's very talented, but he has an awful choice in hair selection. <laughs> the the kind of the half man bun with the kind of the the streak just going all around, all around head. He's he's not the he's he's not the best looker, but he is a great basketball player, and I, and I don't think you can overlook that. And and they'll go uh, into uh, the weekend to take on San Diego State, and you know a, a former JUCO prospect. Now I think he's putting up eighteen and a half points a game, something around there. So. I, I mean, I think this Houston team also is, is a great team defensively, and I don't think they can be slept on either. No, they definitely can't. Um, in this game, actually, I have the 11 seed San Diego State winning this. Oh, um, interesting. This is a very, you know, this is going to be an interesting game. You know, you know, you don't really see Houston on the bracket that much, so people might be, you know, hesitant to pick them just because of, they're not familiar with them at all. You know, you probably don't watch a lot of Houston games on TV, but, Jack, as you, you touched on it, no, Rob Gray – in order to go deep in this tournament with like kind of like a lesser known team, even though I wouldn't call Houston that, you kinda have to have that you kinda have to have a dude. And Rob Gray is a dude. Like he, he he is hot and cold, but when he's hot, like he can light it up, he can score with the best of them. 
I have San Diego State in this one. Um, San Diego State is really hot coming in. Um, you know, they they beat Nevada. They really, like, actually destroyed Nevada in the Mountain West tournament. Um, they have a guy by the name of Malik Pope, who's one of the most underrated players in the country in the front court. Um, they have a veteran guard named Trey Kell, who I really like, and I'd like San Diego State to move past Houston. But, you know, not confident whatsoever in that Houston could win by 20, and it wouldn't surprise me. And that's my prediction. I got Rob Gray in the man bun moving on in this one. I think he's going to light up the scorebook. And I, got, I actually have Houston's one of my sleepers in the West region. I have one more that I'll get to later. But I have Houston making it all the way to the Sweet 16 in this one. So I definitely think that Rob Gray is going to have a good one in this one. And move on. We'll kind of we'll kind of skip over Michigan because I think everyone can agree they're one of the hottest teams in, in uh, basketball right I'm now. Kidding. <laughs> Michigan by 84. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll kind of circle back to them when we get uh, farther down the bracket. But then uh, Texas A&M and Providence, I think this is a very interesting matchup. Um, and, and I think t- uh, a lot of people are split on this almost as as much as they would be for an eight nine matchup. Yeah, the, uh, Texas A&M was one of those inconsistent teams. They started out really hot, and now they opened up by beating West Virginia pretty bad on the season. And they even came here to Lawrence, and they lost, I think, by double digits. But they're just too off and on to me. And I think Providence is coming off a really good conference tournament. I think they ended up beating Xavier in that one and then ended up losing to Villanova. Pushed them to over- overtime. I mean, yeah, overtime. Biggest championship game. So Providence, to me, they seem like a – a good, they seem like a good, well put together tournament team, and they're actually my other sleeper in this tournament. So I actually see them beating Texas A&M by ten or fifteen in this one. I think it's gonna be one of those shockers to the nation, even though it's only a ten-seven. But Providence really has that capability of scoring a lot of points, and especially on a team like Texas A&M. I totally agree with that. Um, Providence is my pick. You know, for a few reasons. Texas A&M, they have a lot of talent. You know, Robert Williams is going to be a first-round draft pick. Tyler Davis is a really good big man. But for whatever reason, like, the team just – it didn't gel all year. You know, those two big guys came to came to Lawrence, I remember watching. And that, that game, I was just kind of, like, in awe. Like, you know, it, with guy, two big guys that good, like, you should be one of the best teams in the country. And a lot of it has to do with their guard play, um, which Providence does not lack in guard play at all. They have – a great guard named Kyron Cartwright, who I think is going to carry him in this game. You know, he's, he plays with so much swagger and confidence. Providence is such well coached by Ed Cooley. He's one of my favorite coaches in the country. And like you mentioned, Jack, they just beat Xavier, had a chance at the buzzer to beat Villanova, ended up losing in overtime. Like this team fears no one. They play great defense. They play tough. And they're going to, I think they're going to take it right to AM. And I don't have them winning in the next round. Um, but, you know, they played UNC, I think, in the tournament about four years ago and pushed them to the brink, and I think it's going to be just that way this year too. So UNC, uh, I mean, Lipscomb, anyone issues there? No, I mean, Lipscomb, if you watch the Atlantic Sun Conference Championship game against everyone's sweetheart, Florida Gulf Coast, they they really laid it to them at the beginning. I think they were up by over 30 at one point. Um, you know, they're really – you know, they, they space and shoot a ton. Ended up almost blowing a 30-point lead, but um, I don't see any way how they beat North Carolina. North Carolina is North Carolina. This Carolina team, if you guys think the same way as well, they kind of remind me, not so much talent-wise, but the way they're sort of put together as that Kansas team with Wiggins and Joel Embiid, the way they were just so inconsistent, even sometimes at home. And they just didn't have a lot of confidence going into the tournament. We all know they got knocked out by Stanford in the second round. 
you know, I, I think North Carolina obviously moves on in this one, but I don't expect them to make it very far in this region at all. I don't think they have much going for them at this point. They have 10 losses on the season. I know they finished <coughs> excuse me, the season losing to Duke and then also just for Virginia in the ACC championship game. But to me, they just don't seem that well put together on both sides of the floor like they usually are. And to me, they just sort of resemble that Kansas team from a couple of years ago, and they just don't have much going for them going into this tournament. Well, let's go and we'll look to at least try to make something happen. Their first ever uh, NCAA tournament, so at least regardless of, of how they do, at least a historic uh, benchmark uh, for that for that program. But then kind of let's go across the bracket, hop over to the east. Uh, Villanova, I think, is is – Definitely again one of the one of the strongest bets to get to the final four. I don't I don't think I mean the, the game's currently the first four game that uh you know the winner will take on Villanova is going on right now, but you know, I don't really see any big red flags of, of them being the first of them of any team uh to be the first number one seed to be upset. But then Virginia Tech in Alabama and Alabama's a fun team, uh, because uh Colin Sexton and I, I know uh, a lot of people that maybe weren't paying attention to the SEC, you know, throughout the regular season, got to see him kind of in, in the conference tournament, and uh, you know, he's just a lot of fun to watch, and he's he's just as much a playmaker as as you know as Trey Young, and he's not necessarily as good a shooter, but I think in in terms of in terms of all around and his ability to to change the flow of a game, he's just as dynamic. Colin Sexton, baby, the young bull, one of the most exciting players in college basketball. I think someone, I can't remember what analyst, called him the Russell Westbrook of college basketball. Play style, you can't disagree if you watch him. The kid's exciting. Um, but I have Virginia Tech in this one. Um, I like the, I like you know, the guards for Alabama are fun to watch. The ones I trust more reside um, in Blacksburg, Virginia. Justin Robinson and Justin Bibbs, um, I really love watching them play. I think they're more consistent. They have more experience under their belts. Um I think Buzz Williams is a really good coach. I think this one's going to be a really fun game, though, another another 8-9 coin flip type of game. But um, I think Alabama was a little inconsistent throughout the year, as is the case when you have multiple freshmen as your top players, like Colin Sexton was. Also with John Petty, they got a couple other guys, Alex Reese and Herb Jones. But um, I think Virginia Texan win this in a close one, um, but as all 8-9 matchups go, and as I mentioned before, you know, Young Bull, Colin Sexton, led him to victory. I would not be surprised one bit. I think basically to sum, summarize Alabama's season would be their inconsistency, and that's why I have Tech as well in this one. I don't think Alabama is really – they're, they're somewhat hot after having that game against Auburn. They had the buzzer beater, but they didn't make it anywhere past that. So to me, Alabama with their 15 losses, it just kind of shows their inconsistency. Virginia Tech had also had a great win at home against Duke towards the end of the season. So I think Virginia Tech – Definitely moves on in this one. So then we see the an, another Big 12 team pop up, uh, and that's the West Virginia Mountaineers, and that is a team that Kansas fans are uh, about as familiar with as the back of their hand in, in just the fact that we've seen them a lot. And they have uh, not only one of the most experienced backcourts uh, in, in Javon Carter and Daxter Miles, but we saw for at least flashes in the Big 12 tournament that you know they're known for their defense, and, and offensively they're not a great shooting team, but at times when they do get hot, they do look very, very strong. And, you know, the Murray State Racers, the Ohio Valley Conference champs, uh, they come in with a 13-game winning streak. 
uh, kind of tucked into their belts. But, I mean, I don't really know if, if that's going to be much of a, a deterrence for West Virginia. Well, in the Big 12, teams have started to figure out their almost Havoc-like press, their press Virginia mentality. But for teams that are just basically looking at video of this, they don't know the speed and the aggressiveness of their actual traps and their press. So I have West Virginia winning this one just basically out of outmanning them. They have Kanate, obviously, in the great backcourt, and Daxter Miles and Javon Carter. So I don't think West Virginia has any problems in this one. I know they've struggled in years past in the earlier rounds, but I think their press is going to be too much to handle for the racers. Yep, you hit that perfectly. You stole the words out of my mouth. There's nothing like actually going up against this press, the havoc, whatever you want to call it. Um, you can watch it all you want, but, you know, watching Javon Carter get up in a guy's face and Javon Carter getting up in your face are two completely different things and nothing you can really game plan for. Um, Murray State, you know, they're actually a pretty good team. I watched them beat Belmont in the Ohio Valley um, tournament, but um, I don't think they have – I don't think they're going to have the guard play to – overcome West Virginia and um Segaba Canate is probably the best shot blocker they have little seen all season. So I think West Virginia I think Murray State could keep this close if they make shots. Um but you know if Daxter Miles and Javon Carter shoot like they did in Kansas City, like I think West Virginia could easily win this by, you know, fifteen, twenty points. So moving on to the shockers of Wichita State and this is a team uh that's kind of pretty much become a perennial uh, perennial fan favorite uh, just for their name and, and kind of the run they made as as a uh, mid major in previous seasons, but now they take on the Thundering Herd um, in a four and th- a four seed and a thirteen seed matchup. And Marshall loves to shoot; uh, they love the long ball, uh, and, and they score a lot. But they don't really have a lot of size. You know, do either of these teams? You know, what's going to be pretty much the deciding factor in this matchup? Um, I think the deciding factor will be Wichita State's defense. Um, the defense on Wichita this year, it's not up to par with what Greg Marshall usually has. I mean, they still have really talented players. Um, I was a little disappointed seeing Marshall make this tournament. For one, I wanted to see Middle Tennessee's run continue of making the NCAA tournament. When that didn't happen, I wanted Western Kentucky to make it because of Dwight Colby. They have a few other um, transfers from high major teams. That didn't happen, so I guess we'll settle for Marshall. It's a pretty good third option to have, though. Marshall, you know, they really, really, really can score the basketball. They kind of remind me of Golden State of college, not nearly as talented, obviously, but same play style. Um, but, you know, Greg Marshall, he's a defensive genius. They don't have much size. I don't see them matching up with Shaq Morris down low at all. Um, I think this could be – this definitely could be an upset just because of if Marshall can get hot, they could beat anybody in the country by the, the amount of threes they shoot. But I – I'll take the safer pick. I'll take Wichita just because there's a few other upsets in this uh, tournament that I'm picking. I love the movie that Marshall had in their their very Cinderella-like football team, but there isn't going to be a Cinderella story in this one. Wichita State, Shaq Morris, they're really just a well-built tournament team. It's just I'm basing many of my picks off of how they've been and they've fared in prior years, and Wichita State has been one of those teams that has definitely shown that they can move on to at least the Sweet 16 most years. I know they struggled that one year where they got matched up with a very talented Kentucky team who was an eight seed in that tournament, and they got knocked out early, but they beat Kansas. They obviously went on that Final Four run as a 11 seed or something, one of those higher-up seeds. But, yeah, I think Wichita State's too much to handle for Marshall in this one, so I got the Shockers moving on. 
And then we'll see, we'll find out later tonight uh, between St. Bonaventure and UCLA who will be taking on the Florida Gators um, later on this weekend. But then, uh, you know, Florida kind of, you know, I mean, they finished third in the SEC, but they've been definitely one of the most inconsistent teams, I would say, uh, throughout the, the span of the season. And, and they have some really great wins. Uh, you know, over Cincy, over uh, Gonzaga, but then they also have some really bad losses. So this is definitely one of those polarizing teams. And then <clears throat> they take on a UCLA team uh, who were able to win 21 games uh, and had a and had a pretty good season in the Pac-12. Well, it seems a little bit odd to say, but I think if the Bonnies win, then I got them moving on and beating Florida. If it's UCLA, I think I'm gonna go with Florida in this one. And I just basically. See it as a matchup where Florida will sort of be not. I don't want to say overwhelmed, but I think the Bonnies will be hot moving in after already playing that play-in game, and I think they're going to be able to have enough power to take advantage of Florida's inconsistency. But I think with Florida just seeing the name of UCLA up there, I think that they're going to be more inclined. Not to say that they won't be prepared for the Bonnies, but I think they'll be more inclined to know that they're playing UCLA and they'll be probably on their best game for that one. So to me, it's sort of a mix and match, but I'm going to say UCLA wins that playing game. So I got Florida moving on. All right. Well, I mentioned before my Mike Dom versus Keita Bates Diop was my favorite individual matchup. Um, This playing game between St. Bonaventure and UCLA actually is my second favorite individual matchup, which I can't wait to watch tonight. Um, Jalen Adams versus Aaron holiday, two of the best guards in the country. Jalen Adams, definitely a sleeper throughout the country. I mean, you're not going to be able to turn on ESPN and watch St. Bonaventure much. you got to tune into like NBC Sportsnet to watch the Atlantic 10, which it's kind of fun to do on Saturday mornings. But, um, but yeah, I actually agree with you, Jack. I think that if St. Bonaventure wins, they're going to um, get past Florida. Not necessarily sure if UCLA will, just because I think UCLA resembles Florida in many ways. You know, they have, they have a really good, I think their top player, Aaron Holiday is a top player in UCLA, but besides him, very inconsistent guard play. Florida's the same way. I mean, they have a bruiser, Chris Chioza. He's one of my favorite players to watch. But, you know, they're such an up-and-down team. They don't have much size at all. You know, they're Igor Kulichev, he's kind of their four-man. He's he's kind of undersized to play the four. They don't really have a big guy. Um, so it's really they're really reliant on um, freshman guards. And I think that, you know, St. Bonaventure, they got, they've got snub, you know, in recent memory. And they're finally here. I think they're ready to make a statement, and um, you know Adrian Wojnarowski, the NBA guy, he went there, so they're going to drop a Woj bomb and move on to the second round. So then, uh, <clears throat> another Big Twelve team showing up in Texas Tech, and they have, uh, they have, I mean, one of the best guards not only in the Big Twelve, but uh, you know, an, another game changer in Keenan Evans, and it was evident for this season for the the Red Raiders that with him there as they can be as dangerous as anyone, and without him, they really, really struggle. So, I mean, they they draw the four the fourteenth seed Stephen F. Austin, but uh, you know, ass- assuming they have a hundred percent healthy Keenan Evans for the for the stretch of the tournament, do you see this team struggling at any point? Hundred percent Keenan Evans. I think their ceiling's elite eight. I don't think they beat Villanova even with them healthy. 75, 80% Keenan Evans. I think they could definitely lose second round. Definitely wouldn't beat Purdue. Um, but, you know, they had a really good season. If Keenan Evans is healthy, I think they're going to – I think they could definitely beat Purdue. I wouldn't pick it. 
Uh, but, you know, Chris Beard getting this team back on the map, you know, it's fun to watch, especially in the conference. You know, I think we'll have some – I think we'll have some good matchups uh, in years to come with KU. Um, but yeah, it it's all it all comes down to Keenan Evans. If that foot's not good, they won't go far. If it do, if it is good, they have a chance to. So we we'll, we kind of just gotta wait and see because I think they're kind of playing it day to day. They're not gonna really reveal much. They don't want to give anything away to their opponents. West Virginia was actually in an identical bracket when they played uh, Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin was a 14 seed. And the Mountaineers were a three seed a couple years ago. And it actually, I think the Lumberjacks won about 30 games that year, and they ended up upsetting the Mountaineers. But I think if Keenan Evans is healthy in this one, I see Tech moving on with almost no problems because they're pretty hungry to be in this tournament. You know, they finally get that higher seed. They've normally been a doormat of the Big 12 for, you know, years prior. I know they had a good year, I think, last year. And, you know, if Keenan Evans is healthy – they definitely can make a run, so I have them beating Stephen F. Austin in the first round. So another matchup that uh, is kind of polarizing, on CBS, Butler is drawing 65% of of the picks over uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, and then on ESPN, it's pretty much the the complete opposite. Arkansas is drawing the favorite. So, so what makes this matchup kind of so back and forth and and so split for for most people? Um, I have Arkansas winning this. This is this is a re- this is a real tough one to pick. Um, you know, Butler Butler did not have that great of a season. Uh, I mean, they did have they had a. I remember watching they had a big win at home against Villanova. But as a ten seed, you know, you didn't have that consistent of a season, which they didn't. Um, a lot of that, I think, came from their coaching change. Chris Holtman left, did a great job at Ohio State. Lavelle Jordan, I think he's going to be a really good up-and-coming coach. Um, but um, I think Arkansas is going to win this, and the number one reason why I think they will, one of my favorite players in the country, freshman Daniel Gafford. Man, if you guys haven't watched this dude play, this man is crazy. 6'10", 6'11", he is lanky. Man, this dude is one of the most athletic players in the country. He can block shots like crazy. He's developing in an offensive game. He came out of nowhere, kind of. I mean, he was a pretty highly ranked recruit, but he's probably going to be a top 20 pick in the NBA draft. I think he's going to control this game defensively. You know, and Arkansas's got guys around that can make shots. They push UNC to the brink in the second round last year. But I think it's going to be the Daniel Gafford show. I think he's going to outshine um, Keelan Martin for Butler. Yeah, I got to agree. I think I have Arkansas moving on as well. They're sort of a undercover sleeper team as well. They definitely can make a run. Uh, they gave North Carolina a run for its money last year. Arkansas is always a tough team to beat. They're they're normally pretty tough to handle in this tournament. So I didn't. I don't think I've seen too much from Butler that impresses me enough for them to pull off the ten seven upset. So I got the Razorbacks moving on. So I mean, I, I'm assuming we can all agree Purdue's, Purdue's a pretty strong bet to to advance past the round of 64. So let's yep. get to Purdue by 68. <laughs> so let's get to uh, the the bracket that uh, at least locally I think most people are are really tuning into, and that is the Midwest and the home of your Kansas Jayhawks. And I mean, we just gotta we gotta start off with this KU Penn matchup because for whatever reason, I'm not really sure where this kind of buzz started, but for whatever reason, people, I shouldn't say a huge percentage of people because I mean, numbers don't lie and and people are picking Kansas by an overwhelming majority. 
But there's this, this there's this idea that the Penn Quakers, because they play tremendous defense on paper against the three uh, in the Ivy League, makes them a potential upset candidate over Kansas, who over the past two or three weeks became as hot of a basketball team as anyone. And, you know, normally we wouldn't even mention 1-16 matchups, but I think we need to address this just because for whatever reason, people have this idea in the back of their mind that Penn has some sort of chance in this game. This is exactly what you do not want as a 16 seed. You never want the public telling the media that you have a chance in this one. The whole point of being a 16 seed is people tune in when you see the games 30-28 to at halftime. People are now going to tune into this game and go, well, where's this Penn team that apparently cannot be the first 16 seed to win? First off, Kansas is coming off as probably a hot of three stretch of games that they've ever been on. Regardless if Penn can guard the outside, Kansas is much bigger down low. They now have some depth to go along with it. Their guards are playing at the highest capability they can be at this point in time. It's literally the last thing a underdog wants is this media feeding them and saying, well, the Penn Quakers can actually be that team because now they're actually the team going in with pressure. I expect, I I actually saw a tweet earlier today, and they said all this talk of Penn to be the first 16 seed makes me just think that Kansas is going to curb stomp them. It's ridiculous. I completely think it's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting tired of it, not just as a KU fan, a basketball fan in general. I mean, come on. Like, you can point out all the stats, like maybe they should have been a 15 seed, maybe they should have been a 14 seed. But let's look at a quick look at their schedule. November 29th, they strolled into town to face Villanova, <laughs> you know, a game. number one seed. They lost by 28. They also lost to a team by the name of Toledo who came in to Allen Fieldhouse and got absolutely demolished. I don't care what their stats are in the Ivy League. They haven't faced a team as quick or as good of shooters as KU. If you don't get Azubuke plays, they will not be able to stop him. I guarantee they have no one even close to his size. Um, Jack, you brought, you made the perfect point. The whole point of a Cinderella is to come out of nowhere when you give it, you know, thirty to twenty-eight, like you said at halftime. They don't like Cinderellas don't emerge when everyone's talking about them all week winning. They come out of nowhere. Now all eyes are going to be on them. They might feel. I don't know if they'll feel a little bit of pressure or not, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting annoyed. I just want this game to be over with. I just. You know we're gonna win by like seventy four probably. <laughs> you uh, and your you and your seventy four is no, eighty four. You know, I, you know yeah, I've been yeah, yeah. I've been joking around yeah, yeah, on those. Yeah. Whenever I say those outrageous, I mean they're gonna win easy. Ku, <laughs> if this game was below a fifteen point win, I would be surprised. I'm expecting more to be twenty to twenty five range. And man, I cannot wait to get this over. So I don't have to hear about this pen winning talk anymore. Well, and, and I think Vegas also kind of well they didn't fuel the fire, but they provided the at least the wood for people to like the match with. Because people want clicks on their articles. They want viewers. They want to give every reason to Seth stir Davis up. Davis wants to stay relevant. They, with want to give up, <laughs> they want to give you every reason to tune in for March Madness week. You know, they want to make this picking your bracket as tough as possible. It's all smoke. There's going to be no fire. False alarm. Go back to class. <laughs> well, especially like I was just mentioning with, with the the Vegas lines, when they first came out right after the selection show was announced, KU was a 15-and-a-half point favorite, and everyone lost their – well, not everyone, but people got concerned because all the other one seeds were 20-plus point favorites, and they're like, there's no way that a one seed uh, should be favored by that small margin. That's 15 points. It's not like 
it's it's not like it's going to be a, a 70 to 68 point game with at the buzzer beater a 15 point game is still a 15 point game and and now they've dropped to 14 points oh no and and people are still losing their minds but i think i think we've kind of summed it up perfectly that i don't i don't, I don't think this is going to be anything to yeah. worry about but let's kind of keep on moving into i mean other than the south i think you can kind of call this region pretty much the champions classic because they have three of the four teams that were um part of that uh, tournament earlier this year in Kansas, Duke, and uh, Sparty, Michigan State. But Seton Hall, NC State, uh, one of these two teams would be the potential matchup for Kansas uh, in the round of 32. So kind of our takes or our thinking on that. Um, I have Seton Hall in this one. It's mostly due to my familiarity with them. Um, you know, I have watched NC State a lot this year, but, you know, what team shows up for NC State, you know, it's – it's a little more – it varies a little more than I think than who shows up for Seton Hall. Um, leading score for NC State is Al Freeman, who KU fans have watched multiple times play at Baylor. Um, you know, he's he's way too inconsistent for my liking. Um, you know, they're a young team. It's, it's, it's really cool to see them in the tournament. You know, NC State has a lot of prestige. Um, Coach Kevin Keats has done a great job turning that program around in the first year. Um, but I love – you know, Seton Hall is another – like I love their style of play. Um, Desi Rodriguez and Angel Delgado, I think they're going to be, they, you know, they've been there before. I think they're going to be the two best players on the court, and I think Seton Hall is going to win for that reason. Yeah, I got to agree. I got Seton Hall moving on in this one. So, kind of, let's go to the, the next two matchups, Clemson, New Mexico State, and Auburn and Charleston. I'm going to kind of group these two together because uh, both of Auburn and and Clemson have kind of suffered, uh, well, for, for Clemson, for sure, losing uh, Dante Granham earlier this season. But, you know, they both have big injuries, and the potential not only for them to get deep in this tournament, but, you know, are either of those two teams at risk of, of missing or losing their first matchup just because of, of the personnel that they're missing? Yeah, oh, for sure, especially Clemson. Um, I don't know as much about Charleston. I think Auburn will win that. But I think one of my upset picks actually is New Mexico State over Clemson. Zach Lofton, remember that name, you'll see him. He started out his career at Minnesota, transferred to Texas Southern, grad transferred to New Mexico State. The dude gets buckets. Um, Clemson, I think they're kind of like Ohio State. Not my favorite five seed. I think New Mexico State's going to pull this one out. Um, I think they're hot. Zach Lofton's going to be that R.J. Hunter type in this tournament. Um, But knowing me saying that, Clemson will probably win by 15. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't have too many upsets coming from the Midwest region, so I do have both the Tigers moving on in this one. I really like what I see from Auburn and also from Clemson. So, I mean, New Mexico State does provide some argument to be an upset pick, but I I just think Clemson just being in, you know, the ACC, and they're just some of those bigger conference teams just sometimes to me have the edge, even if they do have a great record from their smaller conference. But, you know, New Mexico State has a chance, but to me, I think both the four and five move on to this one to have a great matchup in San Diego. Just kind of moving down uh, to to the back end of the Midwest, this TCU and then the the playing eleven seed matchup. This is interesting because uh, this playing matchup features two of the more kind of notable teams in college basketball. I know some of these playing games they get a lot of smaller schools and and teams that not a lot of people are familiar with, but Arizona State and Syracuse are, are, are two prominent names and I mean at least for a lot of people Syracuse was a team that 
was a huge surprise. I know, Michael, you were beyond shocked uh, when they were announced. They're just not. I don't someday. think they're that good. I, 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 I don't know, man. <laughs> How they made the tournament, God knows. Because it's Syracuse. But do either of those I don't teams? Think they're, they're, I do mean, either of those teams pose a threat to TCU? I mean, I think Arizona State. They definitely. I don't think Syracuse does. Like uh, Syracuse's offense is just not good. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They're not good on offense. I mean, they're they're two three zone. They can slow you down, but I mean, if you can't score, you're not going to win. ASU came in downfield us earlier when they they were hot in the beginning of the year. Um, you know, they beat Xavier pretty handily. Came in down Fieldhouse. You know, gave us a little beating. I think they could definitely. I think they're. I think ASU is going to beat Syracuse, and they can definitely beat TCU. Um, when they're hot, you know they can play with anybody. Trey Holder's a stud. Um, they got shooters all around them. But um, I think TCU is going to advance in this one. I like Brodzianski down low. You know they don't. Arizona State can't rebound that well. But um, I just want to see Syracuse gone. I don't think they should have been in. I'm just a little annoyed of it. Arizona State's just one of those teams to me that I mean, they were so hot to begin the season. They had a lot of that. Confidence fueled by that win in the Allen Fieldhouse. But to me, TCU kind of falls in the same category as Texas Tech did. I know TCU won the NIT last year, and they were kind of hoping to be in the tournament. So they're one of those teams that's going to be definitely ready to go. They don't. They know that these 11 seeds are very capable. They're very well-known schools. This isn't some small school like in New Mexico State or Charleston. This is Syracuse and Arizona State. Arizona State was ranked in the top five earlier in the season. Syracuse has won a couple national titles, including one against Kansas since 2003. But I, I do like Brodzianski. I really like Bain. Um, Robinson, too. TCU, to me, I, I like them moving on in this one just for being – you know, I like Jamie Dixon, but they're going to be really ready to play on this one. And both those teams kind of squeaked in. You'll be able to tell how Arizona State fares in their play-in game with Syracuse, but to me, I, I do have TCU regardless who, who who the outcome is in that play-in game that I got the Horn Frogs moving on. By no means are they the only team that battled uh, with significant injuries this season, but losing Jalen Fisher, who at the time was really getting hot and really looking like he was going to be one of the one of the best players in the Big Twelve, um, that was obviously a huge blow. But even without him. Um, they're still a legitimate team in the Midwest, but I mean, with Bucky and Duke, their matches with Bucknell and Iona, respectively. I don't know if that draws any concern from you two. Let's let's put him let's put him in the next round. I thought the Spartans could be a two seed, so I definitely yeah. got uh, yeah, definitely two. Both teams. teams have one seed talent. None of this. I mean, they Michigan State should not have been. I think they should have been a two seed. For sure. Let's move them on. Let's get going. Especially considering at the beginning of the season, both were considered, I mean, favorites to be national championship yep. contenders, and <laughs> they're all in the same round. So, And then the, the kind of the last match we'll look at quickly, uh, Rhode Island and, well, I should just call it Rhode Island and the, the Trey Young matchup because Oklahoma at this point, you know, we've seen some players try to step up in, in the supporting cast of Trey Young, Christian James, Brady Manick, et cetera, et cetera. They just really lack any – talent legitimate talent outside of Trey Young to really make an impact that's why they slid so hard losing 13 in the last 15 games um didn't make any waves in the big 12 championship tournament really I mean ESPN pretty much gave up on Trey Young and and kind of started their their bandwagon on Devontae Graham but I mean does Trey Young have enough to at least win a game or two um yeah first I'm gonna first off start off by saying this are you guys familiar with that spider-man meme where they're pointing at each other yeah each other yep so let's let's imagine oklahoma and asu are that in that meme because <laughs> i think they're 
mirror images of each other. They were probably in the top 10, maybe even top five at the same time. You know, they both just absolutely sputtered. Um, but, you know, this one, the, the Trey Young, probably the most polarizing player in college basketball. The start he had was unbelievable. Um, but if you look around Trey, there's just the talent's not that great. It's basically the same team that was really bad last year, and you kind of just threw Trey <laughs> on there. So Trey can carry – Trey can only carry that team so far. Um, personally, I'm a really big fan of Trey. I think he's a really good kid. I think he's got a really nice family. Um, you know, I, I hate seeing him struggle, and I think a big reason of it, you know, maybe I'm making too many excuses for the kid, but, you know, I think he just has to do so much for that team. You know, he's getting double teamed like crazy, and I think he just he's just trying to be the guy because they don't really have anybody else that can take over that team. So that's why you're going to see the nights that he's had of, like, one for nine from three, you know, six for 25 from the field it's just like every team is just throwing all their guys at him and you know it's just so hard for him to like carry that team against top competition however I think this tournament could be a breath of fresh air for them in terms of everyone's on the same page now everyone has a clean slate you know records don't matter anymore and I think Oklahoma, this is going to be a little bit of an upset for me, but I do have them beating Rhode Island for that simple reason. I got this dream about Trey Young, you know, making about eight or nine threes in this game. Interesting. Um, yeah. All right, well, in our – oh, sorry, Jack, not to cut Oh, <laughs> well, my, my point's going to be a little bit off-key here, but I was going to pick anybody regardless who Oklahoma was matched up with. I'm not going to throw any statistics out there. Uh, to me, Rhode Island's going to win this one. I think Trey Young's going to shoot horribly from the field. They deserve absolutely no right to be in this tournament. And it sounds a little bit harsh coming off here, but, you know, to me, they're not hot at all. Trey Young, they might as well, when they're showing the games up on the top of the screen, they might as well put his score stat sheet up there as well with all of them. But <laughs> Trey Young tracker. Trey Young tracker right here. <laughs> Last time we'll ever see it if they're knocked out in the first round, which I completely believe they will. So Big 12 doesn't normally fare well in this tournament, and I think Oklahoma is going to be one of those teams that doesn't make it out of the first weekend. Well, in our last few minutes here, let's kind of kind of wrap things up with, with kind of uh, our insight and our predictions. And obviously, anything can happen. And, um, you know, by historically speaking, predictions are way more often wrong than right. But let's kind of start with, just jump right into the Elite Eight because I think anything out, outside of there is pretty much anyone's game. But to really get to the Elite Eight, anyone you play is going to be a great basketball team. Let's start with the South. Um, kind of, you know, that's one of the strongest conferences. The Who do you guys have kind of coming out into the Elite Eight from that? Elite bracket? Eight. Um, that's tough. I mean, that's a tough one. It was Virginia. This DeAndre Hunter news is going to make me change my pick to Arizona. And I'm going to take Cincinnati. Uh, I think the Cincinnati-Tennessee game, I can't wait for it. Pretty God it happens. I'll take Arizona and Cincinnati in the Elite Eight from the South. I got Virginia and uh, Cincinnati out of the South here. As we probably all know, it's going to be a team like Creighton or Loyola Chicago that's yeah, in the Elite or Eight. Or Texas out of all we know. But if I'm going to base it off of statistics here and just sheer talent, I'm going to stick with my gut. I think Bennett's going to be able to coach – Virginia all the way to the Elite Eight there, and I think Cincinnati's going to be rolling into that game in Atlanta. Let's kind of go down to the West then. We have, obviously, some top teams like UNC, Xavier, uh, and Michigan, one of the hottest teams. But who do we have? 
I have Gonzaga and Michigan. I have Gonzaga knocking off Xavier in the Sweet 16. Um, I have Michigan. I think they're just a better all-around team than North Carolina is. Um, John Beeline is one of the best coaches in the country. He does not get enough credit. Gonzaga, kind of have a man crush on them, I'd say. <laughs> Extremely deep in the front court. Mark Few is a legend. Great shooters around them. Watch out for the name Zach Norvell. That dude can really stroke it from downtown. I, yeah, I just think I think the two best teams in this region, Gonzaga and Michigan. I love Xavier. I think I think they had a tough drop, Gonzaga, and I think Gonzaga's going to beat them. Well, my ideal matchup in the Final Four would be a Xavier versus Cincinnati game. Oh, my God. <laughs> Especially with their history and all the brawls. Oh that gosh. would be one of the greatest JP things McCurry to watch. and Mick Cronin would probably, probably fight each other, each other yeah. on Man, the court. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but I actually got a shocker coming out of the West. I have Gonzaga. And then I have Houston matching up with them in the Elite Eight. I don't – I see them. I think I have Providence and Houston matching up in the Sweet 16 to go to that game. So I got two sleepers there, but then I'm going to have Houston and Gonzaga matching up in Los Angeles for a chance to go to San Antonio. Jumping over to the East, uh, obviously some of the top seeds there, Nova 1, Purdue 2, uh, Texas Tech 3. But how are you guys feeling about uh, Nova's safe play into the Final Four? I think it's pretty easy for them. I think I have Villanova and Purdue, the one-two matching up there. So I don't see much happening. Too too many upsets here in the East region. I mean, there could be a couple in the first couple rounds, but in the end it's going to be Nova and Purdue matching up there in the Elite Eight. Same with what I got. Villanova, I think, is the safest team in this tournament. Great guard play. Purdue, I mean, I don't think their, their path – either their paths are, like, too terribly difficult. And, I mean, I trust – I think they're both the deep – both very deep, um, yeah, Nova and Purdue. And then the Champions Classic, the Midwest, uh, KU, do they get past, uh, well, I mean, do they get past Michigan State, Sparty? Who, uh, who do you guys have there? Well, I have KU, I have them getting to the Elite Eight, definitely. I think the top half of the bracket is very favorable, especially those um, five and four seeds, and um, they're definitely in upset territory. So I'm going to take KU to the Elite Eight. Um, I have Michigan State over Duke. I know a lot, a lot of people have Duke. Um, and, you know, Coach K always beats Tom Izzo if you look at history. But, um, you know, Michigan State's kind of been my team since the preseason who I've really liked. Um, nothing's really changed my mind about that, so I'm going to go KU, Michigan State. I think I'm going to stick with Kansas here in the Elite Eight, and then I got Duke moving on to the Elite Eight. And I think it's going to be one of those games that you're going to remember for a long time as a Jayhawk fan. One, if they win it, it'll be obviously a Final Four appearance, and it'll be against Duke. If they lose, it'll be the third straight year they fail to make it and they'll lose in the Elite Eight. But with Duke being there, that's really going to just make this such an important game for the colleges. And I just think that it's going to be a great, great matchup. You have Grayson Allen. It'll be probably one of my all-time favorite games to watch if this does happen. I'm not saying it will, but if it were ideally a perfect world, I have Kansas and Duke matching up for basically a classic. For sure. Well, I quickly I – I had Arizona-Cincinnati, Nova Tech – Kansas, Duke, Xavier, and Michigan to round out my lead. And then Final Four, let's kind of dive right into that one. Um, I have Cincy and Xavier just because that's the matchup I really want to see. And then I have Nova and Kansas uh, coming out of the other uh, the other matchup. Uh, do you guys agree, disagree? Well, um, my South right now, under it's under construction for me. <laughs> Virginia was my pick. I'm going to have to hit the drawing board. I'm going to have to rethink things. So right now, my South is TBD. I'm going to lean Cincinnati right now, so if you want to take that for what it's worth. 
my West, I have Gonzaga against Michigan in one of the best games of the tournament. I have Gonzaga winning that to meet up. So let's say Cincinnati, TBD. Um, Villanova, I think they're going to beat Purdue. And then KU, Michigan State. My heart tells me KU. My head's making me lean Michigan State just depth-wise. I mean, it's it's so hard to predict. It yeah, really is. I'm gonna say I'm gonna pick Michigan State just totally as a try to be as non-biased as I can, reverse psychology, hopefully. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna go Michigan State, Villanova, Michigan, and Cincinnati. Uh, I got Cincinnati coming out of the South, and I got Gonzaga coming out of the West. Then I have Nova coming out of the East, and then I do have Kansas coming out of the Midwest for my Final Four. And then, to make things interesting, I got Cincinnati reaching the championship. Then I got Nova, sadly, once again beating Kansas. And then I'm going to go with Cincy all the way, and I I have them winning the title this year. Well, I have – so Villanova, I have them top at Michigan State. Um, Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, and Mikel Bridges, I just – I can't get enough of those guys watching them. It's so fun. And then I had Gonzaga beating Cincinnati. And – Unfortunately, Gonzaga fans, I have you guys losing in this championship game for the second year in a row, and I hate to see Villanova win it again, but um, I'm, uh, the bracket's all about safety for me, and I feel like Villanova's the safest team, so that's why I'm going with them to win the championship. Well, I'll bite the bullet, and I'll, I'll take the KU angle here. I, I have Sidzi, and I'll, I'll take Kansas in the national championship for knowing the reason that, I mean, obviously – to live and die by the three is a hard thing, but the, the the Kansas the Kansas Jayhawk team that we saw in the Big Twelve tournament, if if they continue to shoot, if Malik Newman continues to even stay, he doesn't even need to perform at the level that he did in the tournament because he was absolutely lights out dominant. But if he even plays, you know, at, at an average level, and Devontae Graham kind of picks things back up again, they get Yudoka Azubuki back. And Silvio De Sosa continues to 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 really make things happen. I mean, that's just as an exciting of team. As anyone. But, I mean, do we have any final thoughts kind of on this tournament before we wrap things up? Uh, just kind of going off that KU thing, I've been telling you for a couple, you know, watching those games in the Big 12 tournament, Malik Newman, I've been calling him Mr. March. Mr. I'm trying March. To, I'm trying to speak into existence, word <laughs> to my guy, LeVar Ball. Kind of what they were calling. Oh, God. They were calling Tyler Dorsey last year, Mr. March. You know, Tyler Dorsey, Malik Newman, kind of similar players. You know, they're kind of big-time shooters. You know, they're not really guys that give to the basket a ton. So if Malia Malik Newman can be that Tyler Dorsey kind of guy for us, you know Sylvia D'Souza is emerging. You know Kay's really evolved, and I think our, you know, I love our chances a lot more than I did a week ago. Uh, most of my picks are probably going to be wrong that I've had tonight. <laughs> let's be honest. I, I, I'm really taking a chance here with Cincinnati apparently just running all the way to the championship game, but I'm so excited. I'm going to be rooting for the upsets. Sometimes oh, yeah. I just care less about my bracket. Um, and I just really want to root for those upsets. Just good basketball. Especially so, in KU's region, baby. I mean, t- if I'm going to be honest, me as a KU fan, I'm going to be rooting for what's KU's best outcome. For so sure. I'm not – I would hope for all the 16 seeds to win, but <laughs> but um, Penn, obviously. But, you know, I'm really excited for this tournament to start up. Excellent. So that just about wraps it up. Well, actually, one thing I want to jump back to. You said, oh, God, at the LeVar Ball thing. Yeah. We're both big baller brand boys over oh, here, so you're going to have to get used to that God. moving forward, Jack. But – that will just about wrap up uh, the March Madness special edition of the Down the Line podcast. We want to uh, give a huge thank you and shout out to 
uh, Michael Claude uh, from Mocan Basketball for joining us tonight. He uh, provide uh, was, I mean, giving us excellent insight uh, in his elite analysis. You can find him on Twitter at Michael Claude underscore. Uh, find Jack Johnson at Johnny J underscore fifteen. Myself at Jack Nadeau. Or should I say, at underscore Jack Nadeau. And that will just about do it for us from the KJHK studio. Thanks for tuning in to this special March Madness edition of the Down the Line podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and coming soon to iTunes. Until next time, stay gold.